So what is a one-hit wonder? You ever think about that? What is a one-hit wonder? Would you like to be a one-hit wonder? I remember an old uh, Paul Simon movie called One Trick Pony. You know, not a great movie, but a decent movie. But the soundtrack was great. Uh, Paul Simon was not a one-hit wonder, nor was he a one-trick pony. You know, I was a kid. I wanted to be in a rock band. I figured that was the best way to make a living, you know. If you'd asked me at the age of nine, I would have said, I want to be a Beatle. <laughs> made sense to me. You know, I even had this... Uh, fantasy of building a raft and traversing the ocean and joining the band. I mean, it wasn't realistic. I knew that at the time, especially that raft across the Atlantis, uh, Atlantic part. Well, I suppose the other part wasn't realistic as well. I mean, the Beatles, how could you add or subtract to that and make it any better? Anyway, uh, it didn't stop me from wishing, and I thought being in a rock band was the thing to do. As, as uh, time went by, I did play in a number of bands. I became a drummer uh, and played in uh, all the bands I could possibly play through, you know, junior high and high school, middle school, uh, stage band, pet band, marching band, concert band, whatever. I, I played in bands, and after I got out of high school, I I played in a lot of uh, uh, garage bands and rock bands, and I decided after doing that for a few years, now this was like just for fun, it was a hobby, it wasn't really a way of making money, because I had a radio career that was going on, uh, but I realized that, you know, the odds of making it in that world were pretty slim. Uh, and as a drummer, you had to latch on to a really good group. And I hated schlepping my drums in and out of, uh, you know, bars at two or three in the morning. It just wasn't the thing I liked to do. So anyway, I got uh, thinking, though, being a one-hit wonder would be kind of cool. You know, you just had one hit. You just make one record and, and it becomes a hit. You know what a one-hit wonder is, right? You become a big hit and then the band just sort of disappears. I'm thinking of stuff like... Uh, uh, Soft Cell had Tainted Love and nothing else. Zagger and Evans, if you go way back to about 1970, they had a huge hit called In the Year 2525. Nothing ever again from them. Uh, remember the Macarena from Los Del Rio? That was a one hit wonder. Uh, also in the 70s, Norman Greenbaum, Spirit in the Sky. Remember Men Without Hats, The Safety Dance? Of course you do. This is uh, Tim Patterson here at uh, Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. So glad you could join me. I got a really fun interview, which I'll tell you about in just a minute. Uh, you can find all my stuff online at tradeshowguy.net. It's kind of like the central site, the hub of everything. Just go to tradeshowguy.net. You'll find my blog. You'll find my books. You'll find the company that builds great exhibits. All of it's right there. So uh, one-hit wonders. You know, they're not limited to just pop music. There are one-hit wonders in publishing, authors or books that exploded, became big hits, and then the author never really followed it up with anything substantial. I think of uh, J.D. Salinger's Catcher in the Rye, or Harper Lee, To Kill a Mockingbird, or Margaret Mitchell's Gone with the Wind. Um, there's a few others in there. Emily Bronte's Wuthering Heights, I think of. You could also look to sports for one-hit wonders. I mean, in a way, kind of Joe Namath was one, uh, Tim Tebow, Leon Spinks. Remember the pitcher, Mark the Bird Fidrick? Had a great season, incredible, and then just vanished. The boxer Buster Douglas. I wonder, <laughs> there's that word again, I wonder, uh, if the people behind the one-hit wonders tried to follow up the song or the book or the managers around them or the companies, we got to do this again, got to do this again, but you can't, it's like Paul McCartney once said, you can't reheat a souffle. People would ask him, you should get the Beatles back together. And like in the 70s, he goes, you can't reheat a souffle. And I guess there's something to that. But, uh, you know, I always thought it would be great to, have that one thing, that one hit in the past. And you could say, yeah, I was the guy that did that. Um, 
It'd be kind of fun. Anyway, on this week on the interview, uh, certainly a guy who is not a one-hit wonder. Uh, Dominic Rubino has been a successful businessman many times over. He now coaches other businessmen and businesses on how to be successful and had a great conversation with him. He actually reached out to me, and I ended up doing a, a, a interview for his podcast, kind of an in-depth thing on trade show marketing for a lot of the people that he works with in the the trades industry, like the HVAC people, the electrical people, all those, they have home shows and stuff. So we did a fun uh, interview on that. But then I said, you should be on my show. And he said, sure. So we figured out that we should talk about something he does specifically, and that is the easy formula uh, for difficult conversations with difficult people or just difficult conversations. And once you see it, he says, you'll never unsee it. And I think he's right. It was a fun conversation. I'd like to welcome Dominic Rubino to the show today. Did I get that right, by the way, Dominic? You did. You <laughs> All right. Did. Very good. Uh, and you've got an interesting background. I'll just kind of, you know, without doing an introduction, uh, we ran across each other. You actually reached out to me, and uh, so we made a connection there in the, the, the not-too-distant past. And, and I'm curious to learn more about what you do. Uh, you've got a couple of websites out there, if not more than that. And so tell me, if someone to ask, what do you do? So <laughs> what's, the, what's the answer? Well, I reached out to you because I think my listeners, I have a podcast as well. Uh Uh, I have two. One's called Profit Tool Belt, and the other one is uh, in the cabinetry industry. It's called Cabinet Maker Profit System. But I reached out to you because uh, the people in the trades industry quite often are doing home shows or cottage shows, whatever it might be. And I'd had some questions about how do we do this right? You know, do trade shows make sense? So I reached out to a trade show expert. Tim Patterson. There you go, I guess. And that's why I had you on the show. Yeah. And so here now you've offered, asked me to be on your show. And I'm just thrilled. Well, I appreciate you being here. Now, one other thing I'm curious to touch base and you mentioned, because I think when we, we did our interview here in the last few days, you had mentioned some association with, is it Brian Tracy? Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that. Well, uh, so I've been a business coach for many, many years since the turn of the century, as I like to say, since, right. since the year 1999. <laughs> And uh, uh, through becoming a business coach, I've been able to open a number of businesses. One of the businesses I actually bought was Brian was looking to expand the reach of his teachings by franchising his system for business reinvention, really. And so that became a franchise system that I created. It's called Focal Point Business Coaching, powered by Brian Tracy. Very long name. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And a bunch of great franchisees who we call them business coaches all around the world. And I just sold that company a short while ago. But in that business, Brian Tracy was our partner, our brand partner. Very interesting. Very interesting. And you've done, as a business coach, uh, you've done a lot of different things. And I know what we were going to focus on today was, uh, you know, there's an easy formula for difficult discussions. The scene looked at uh, this topic looked at from a number of different angles, you know, how to have how to deal with difficult people. I've seen some books on that. Uh, Some people that you work with, whether it's a client or whether it's someone in your office can be difficult to deal with. They may be very good at what they do, but there are issues that come up. So let's talk about that. It was your suggestion to kind of have this sort of easy formula for difficult conversations. So how do you approach something like this and what kind of parameters do you put on uh, this particular topic? Well, you know why it's a, such an interesting topic is because the difficult conversations are all around us and we need to have them yeah, so that are. we can move our career forward or make a sale or internally. You know, if, if I'm a marketing director and I really want a new trade show display booth, what do I do? Just ask for it. I need to sort of present a case. So what I'd like to share today, actually on the funny side, you can't unsee what I'm about to share. Uh-oh. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Well, do you know why? Because the next time you watch the news and you see some politician, I'm doing air quotes, I don't know who, 
or, or you see some uh, famous CEO explaining what's happened because something has gone amiss, you're going to see what I'm going to share with you now. There's actually a script. It's a very simple script, but it's the script to have a, a difficult conversation in a really easy way. Okay, I'm ready. Are you ready for it? Yep. So for those people listening, it's very simple. Just write down the letter D and D stands for dissatisfaction <clears throat> times, so multiplication sign, vision. Okay. First steps must be greater than. So this is where we call on everybody's math skills. Remember the greater than. Right. Uh-huh. Resistance. Got so it. So it's a formula. It's actually, What's that, Tim? It's a formula. It's a formula. And you know what? It's not my formula. For those of you out there that uh, are interested in the academic reference for these things, it's called Gleisher's Formula. Uh, and you can look it up. It's called Gleisher's Formula. But we're using it in this business context for difficult conversations. It works really well. It's actually a script that you follow. So I know I'm going to encounter resistance. Tim, let's just say you're the, the, the VP of marketing. And okay. I'm the marketing manager. And I need, in our region, we need a new trade show booth been beat up it's been on a hundred thousand airplanes the union guys that set it up beat it to pieces it's right. tattered and torn we're just not meeting up to the standards in our region typical <laughs> you've heard this story before i've right? heard this story before yeah so i've got to i have to have a reasonable way to say it to you so i know there's going to be resistance budget resistance time whatever so i've got to show you this dissatisfaction i've got to show you the vision and the first steps and that's how we overcome your resistance so i'm just going to ballpark this and you tell me if it sounds reasonable, but here's how my conversation would go. Hey, Tim, do you know how we go to all these trade shows and we put a significant part of our, part of our marketing budget into really owning this area out here? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it just seems like every time we go to a trade show, those other guys with the other software are killing us. Man, yeah. I hate when that happens. I know. <laughs> well... I remember the meeting that you had with us last month or last quarter where you said it was time for us to turn a new leaf and really increase our market presence and, and, uh, and find new ways to do things the way we used to. And so what I really want to do is talk to you about an idea that I have that's been, I've been mulling over for a long time that actually started with a conversation you and I had, and it's about our trade show strategy. So there's the vision part. Yep. Yep. No, that's, I'm already in first oh, you're steps. Oh, you're, you're on the first steps. Okay. You've yeah, got right. the vision. But, yeah. but I, I could still be in vision. So the first right. steps are, you're, you've got me now. The yeah. first steps are, <laughs> hey, let's talk about our trade show booth. I've got an interesting mock-up that I've done. I've seen some interesting ideas. And now I've overcome resistance. Yeah. If I don't follow that script or that formula, my only other solution goes something like this. Uh, hey, Tim, I was, I was wondering if maybe... You, you know, is there any room in the budget for a new trade show booth? What's the answer on that? Well, yeah, they, the first initial answer is, well, no, probably yeah. not. But, uh, you know, I've actually written blog posts on that. And I think I probably followed a similar type of, uh, of formula in that, uh, you know, you have to kind of line all your ducks up. Uh, I may have not been as simply as this, but uh, if you're going to pitch something as significant, you certainly have to know what it's going to cost, what you're going to get for it. Uh, why you're going to do it, what, what the competition's doing, all of this other stuff. But yeah, I like that you've distilled it down. <laughs> Glacier's formula. That's a good one. I'll have to look that Glacier's up. formula. So, yeah. you know, this is where you're going to see it on the news. You're going to see a politician stand up and they're going to say, we are bringing the new um, uh, Olympic Games. We're doing an Olympic Games bid for our city. 
And so in order to do that, we're going to need to clear some land. You know, the premium land that we've got is land that's already been a big problem. It's down there by the river. And I'm so thankful that we have the Olympics to look forward to, to do something with this land that's just, it just never found its right place, right? There's right. the dissatisfaction. Yep. The vision is, what if we won the 2030 Olympics? Imagine what that would do for our city. Okay, so there's the vision. Right. The first steps is where they say, now, we're going to have to knock down a couple of apartment buildings and some <laughs> low-end houses. But imagine what it'll be like for our city once we have the Olympics. And now they've shifted the conversation back to the dissatisfaction and the vision. And they've moved away from knocking over some housing. This so is a very interesting formula. Yeah, it's yeah. a very interesting formula, uh, Dominic. And, you know, so, so how would you do this? Um, let's say you're not trying to pitch. It's some, some kind of a smaller thing. You're not trying to pitch a big trade show or a big Olympic thing. You've just got someone that's difficult to deal with uh, that's just uh, kind of gripes about everything. They're just kind of like have that attitude. Is this, does that fall into this mm. kind of conversation? Uh, you know, from the, the brief conversation we're having here, I actually go in my head to another tool that we have, which talks about people who are above and below the line. You know, there's uh, victors and victims in this world. Right. But I could have this conversation with somebody who's always griping. And that's really to bring them back to the bigger picture, which is why we talk about dissatisfaction and vision. Right. They're griping about today. Oh, I can't believe we have these chairs. These chairs hurt my back and blah, yeah. blah, blah. And, you know, all you're hearing about that in the cubicle next to you is this person complaining about their chair. There's other things to talk about. Take them up to another level. Right. Take yep. them up to a level where you're talking about, you know, what are we trying to accomplish here? You know, there's people who are starting software companies right now that are going to change the world. And those guys are running on milk crates. So don't talk to me about your chairs. Right? <laughs> so perspective it, is important. I agree. Yeah. Perspective is important. You know, and at a certain point, if that person's dragging you down, this is the executive coach part of me. If that person's dragging you down, then cut the rope, you know, yeah. turn around, put in some headphones. Yeah. Exactly. And if you have the power, you, 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 you say, Hey, you, you know, we're tired of this. Uh, you're just not going to be part of our team if you keep this up type of thing, you know, yeah. a person who consistently places blame and makes excuses, who's negative, who's in denial, who sees the world through scarcity, they are on an Island and they're trying to recruit people to come to that Island. Uh, yeah, they are. Right. Yeah. And so my counter to that is I need to be above the line, uh, proactive, I take responsibility. I take ownership. I have some sort of vision. Again, Tim, that's, I think, where you picked up on this. What's, where right. are we going towards? Where are we going right? with this? Yeah. And, and all I can do is I stay on my island and let them do what they want on theirs. Exactly. And I think that uh, leadership has a lot to do with this. I'm reminded of the story that I've seen a friend of mine used to use this in all of his speeches. And he would talk about the, in, the, in, the, in the 60s at NASA, they were going to put a man on the moon, right? And they were walking down the hall and this guy was sweeping the floor and and they got into a conversation with the guy sweeping the floor. And the guy was so excited to be a part of it because he's helping the team put the man on the moon, you know. That's right. And because the leader of that whole thing, he bought in. It was really about buy-in as to the mission of what you're actually doing. And yeah. I think leadership is a lot of, a lot of it. But this is, you know, this is really good. I love the, the formula for um, difficult conversations. Yeah, the easy formula for difficult conversations. You know, I've taught this to engineers before. Um, but these are the engineers who have to put pipelines in place. And uh -huh. who go and have conversations with entire communities oh. about this pipeline that's going to go through your cornfield. So and how does that conversation go? Well, let me talk to you about the dissatisfaction. You know how <laughs> our town has constantly suffered from people leaving? 
wouldn't it be great if we brought industry back, blah, 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 blah. Sure. And it's, it just follows that formula. That's why, Tim, I was joking. Once you've seen this, you can never unsee it. You'll watch the news and go, oh, now wait, they're going to do the vision part. Okay, they're going to do the vision part, the right. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of that is really just good PR. A good PR person will know how to, to do that uh, structure. Whether they're actually using something as specific as this and know what they're using it, they know how to get that message out and how to deliver it. Uh, you know, here's where we're going and here's why, and they know how to, to pitch it as well. Really interesting, Dominic. And so where can people find you online? I know you have a number of things, but what's the best place do you think right now? The best place to find me is profittoolbelt.com. Okay. And, and that's a channel where I speak specifically to people, tradespeople, contractors who are business owners who are out there doing great things in the world. Uh, if somebody's a contractor and they happen to be in cabinetry or architectural millwork of all things, <laughs> of all things, yeah, I have a specialty show there because I've been speaking for that industry uh, for many, many years. And uh, so you can find, if you can't find me, you're not looking. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I'm in Forbes magazine as well. You can read me in Forbes. I, I do articles for them on occasion. And so there's, there's lots of places. People just reach out to me as well. If they want to email me, I, can I share that? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So my email address is dr at bizstratplan.com. B-I-Z-S-T-R-A-T plan. Yep. Dot com. All right. That's right. DR. Very good. Awesome, Dominic. Appreciate your uh, uh, sharing your, your uh, insight and your knowledge here on today's Trade Show Guy, Monday Morning Coffee. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again to Dominic Rubino for being on the show today. Really appreciate it to check the show notes to find out how to get a hold of him. Uh, this week, Trade Show Tip comes from a blog post I put up just this week. It was kind of fun. It uh, Kind of had to relate with some books I've been reading. It, uh, the post is called Seven Ways That Fiction Can Help Your Trade Show Marketing. And I'll I have a link to it, uh, but it's, it's right there in the blog. It's the last week or so. Uh, and I'll just kind of recap these things. Uh, create a unique world in your booth or in your, uh, you know, your place where people come to find you. Uh, fiction allows an author to create a world that exists in only one place, and that's the author's or the reader's mind. Can you create something in your booth that no one else has? Yeah, you probably can. Uh, create tension. A good story has tension that pulls the reader further into the story. Can you create some sort of tension in your booth that, that intrigues people? You might be able to. Uh, know who your story is for. That's number three. Uh, you know, I like these detective page turners and mysteries and things like that. I don't do romance novels or fantasy much. I used to do science fiction a lot. A good trade show marketing plan knows exactly what audience is attracted to their type of product or service and tries to uh, you know, bring in those types of people and not attract the wrong type of people. Number four, the main character in a story has a super objective. So what's your super objective? What do you really want? Um, I heard this concept. I think it's a great concept. You may not actually see a character's super objective, but it drives the main character. Um, Jack Reacher, for instance, if you read any of his books, he's compelled to do what he can to right the wrongs that he sees. I mentioned also in the blog post, Harry Bosch, uh, believes that if anybody counts, everybody counts uh, when it comes to solving murders. So he says, you know, no one gets more or less attention because of their place in society. So that's like a super objective. Uh, number five, there's always an objection or a hurdle or an obstacle. Uh, so know your prospects' objections. The more you understand what would cause them not to buy, it helps you solve those objections. You know, can you imagine having a novel where the protagonist has everything come to him really easily. It'd be a boring novel, right? They got to have obstacles. They got to have things to uh, 
to fight to get through to the, to the end. Uh, number six, keep the page turning. You ever get halfway through the book and you just kind of lose interest because the writer, the author didn't really do a good job of that middle part of the book. So keep the thing interesting with, with people um, in, in your booth. Whatever your storyline is, whatever your product is, make it interesting to them. Again, it's a shorter area, but you can do that. And number seven, deliver the goods. Make it a great ending. You know, every novel has a great wrap-up to the uh, to the tale, the character, the storyline. There's a payoff there. Do you give a payoff when people find out about your product or service? Anyway, that's that's my blog post, and that's my my train show tip of the week. The one good thing, speaking of books, I just finished this book called The Siberian Dilemma by Martin Cruz Smith. It's the latest uh, Arkady Renko novel. I think there's eight or ten, maybe a little more. You may remember Gorky Park, I think, from the 80s. That was his first one. This uh, Russian investigator, Arkady Renko, played in the movie by William Hurt. Uh, they only made one movie out of all of his books. They're all movie-worthy, in my opinion. Now, uh, this is a, a, a is a great book. It's a fun book. Uh, his writing is just spot on. I love the way Martin Cruz Smith writes. It's a little short, but then I was, you know, I'm just spoiled. I like longer books, especially if it's a good story. I wanted it to be longer, but I finished it in like three days. But that's this week's one good thing. Uh, if you like those types of picture, um, novels, <laughs> if you like Gorky Park, you probably would like this uh, particular book. All right, that's it. I'm going to wrap it up. Have yourself a great week. Catch you next time around here on Trade Show Guy, Monday Morning Coffee. <laughs>